What do we do now? So what do we do now? It was only a couple of months ago that uh, Garth shared with me that he was leaving. And it was a shock to me because I'd only just come back from overseas and it was the exact time where I was considering stepping up to help the church in the capacity I'm doing now. And I was excited to work with Garth. And I know that he has a real heart for people like I do, but I know we're different. And I I thought we could really complement each other and work serving the church well together. So fast forward two months and I've absolutely loved working with Garth in many different capacities. I've enjoyed his challenges from the pulpit about relationships in the church, from accepting each other in the faith and encouraging one another in the faith to working with Garth at elders meetings and planning different things for the church and spending time with people together. And he's leaving with Michelle tomorrow. So what do we do now? I was thinking about this. The question comes up a fair bit in life, doesn't it? Having a baby or four, you look at each other and say, what did we do now? A phone call from the school about one of your kids. What do you do now? An argument with a family member where you say something you shouldn't. What do I do now? Landing in Switzerland with four kids and not much. What do you do now? Now, for some of those above situations, uh, we have different answers. Where, where sin is involved, what, the what do we do now is all about forgiveness and repentance. When you have a baby, it is all about praying for wisdom and working together as parents, taking it a day at a time sometimes. And when it comes to Switzerland, well, you do your time and get back to Australia as quickly as possible. (laughs) When Garth announced that he was leaving, for some it was very much about what do we do now. As a church family, for those that have played the long game here, and we have some founding members of this church sitting here today, In the last four years, we have lost two pastors that navigated COVID without a pastor. And there are a lot of times during that time where we say, or have said, what do we do now? And we finally got the pastor of our dreams. No, I'm not, sorry, Garth, I just, we finally got a pastor. And a year after accepting the role, he feels the call to Adelaide. And if you've journeyed with us for the last four years plus, it could be very much a time of, so what do we do now? Some would straight away say, I can't do it anymore. I'm out. Others would say, I'm angry. How could he do this to us? Still others might say, about time, Garth. (laughs) I get it, Garth. I'm in the pastoral role now too, so I do get it. And while some would be saying, here we go again, we've got to find another pastor, let's get back to the hard work of doing that again. But my question comes to challenge each and every one of us sitting here and watching online this morning, because we need to check our motives and search out God in this time, because it's going to be another big time of transition that will probably have its ups and downs in what we call life. So what do we do now? And although our situation is different, 
it did take me to this time where in John 13, where Jerome's just read, it took me back to the time where Jesus would be sharing his last supper with his disciples. He'd just washed his disciples' feet, including Judas. And then Judas, as Jerome just said, had left to betray Jesus into the hands of the religious leaders to kill him. And after Jesus leaves into that darkness to do the unthinkable, and Jesus knows this, you can picture him watching that door close and then turning to his 11 disciples with his final instructions that he was about to leave. Talk about this being one of the hard conversations to be part of. And so we're going to see this in a couple of divisions. I've split this up. We could have done a lot more, but I've got a few things at the end where I want to make sure we have a bit of time to um, send Garth and Michelle off. But we're going to see this in, in two divisions. Um, and the first division we see in, in uh, John 13, 31 to 38. In verse 31 to 33, uh, Jesus would say, my time has come. I'm going to be going soon. It was time to give God glory. And he was speaking of his death and resurrection. He'd been talking to them prior to this, but they didn't fully understand. Even now, they didn't fully understand, as you'll see what Peter says soon. And it says in one of the Gospels that they finally understood what he was saying about after he rose. But he had to let them know that he was going. And I'm leaving, he would say, but unlike the last few years, you can't come with me this time. This time, things will be different. His time had finally come where he was leaving to be God's sacrifice. So in verses 34 and 35, in light of Jesus leaving, what did he tell them to do? And if you read your Bibles, it says... Love each other. Love each other like Jesus had loved them. Well, how did Jesus love them? He loved them in truth. He loved them in humility. He loved with a servant heart. He loved selflessly and he loved sacrificially. How will the world know that you are my disciples? By this love that you have one for another. The world will know that we are Jesus' disciples because of our Christ-like love for each other. This love that Jesus demonstrates is to be different to the world. The world is consumed with love of self. Me first, lust, you serve me, boastful love if you like. But we are to be different. The follower of Christ should stand out in the world by the way we love other followers of Jesus. So then the question then asks, do we love in truth? Do we love in humility? Do we love with a servant heart? Do we understand what it means to love with selflessness? Do we understand how to love with that sacrificial love that Christ demonstrated? As we sit here, do we understand what it is to love other Christians? Do we understand what it is to love other Christians that may not be so easy to love at times? Or sometimes to love other Christians that 
the circumstances don't lend it easy to be loved. Do we understand the words of Jesus that say we should be able to see that we are followers of Jesus because of the way we love each other? Why? Because the world won't love Christ. We need to encourage. We need each other to encourage each other. We need each other for care and support in this world. So how can you love a fellow Christian in a Christ-like way? Even as we sit here, is there another Christian in this room that comes to mind that you need to show Christ's love to? Is there someone that you need to show Christ's love rather than criticism or judgment? And here I'll say that if you can't, um, here I'll say that you can't love someone with Christ's love if you don't know Christ. If you have never seen God's love for you by giving Jesus to die on the cross for your, for your sin, you can't love with Christ's love. If you need to understand the love of God and how it is different to the love of the world, then talk to myself or, or Garth on his last day or someone that you know is a follower of Christ. Older Christians, how can you demonstrate Christ's love to the younger Christians? Younger Christians, how can you demonstrate Christ's love to older Christians? That's the challenge we have when Jesus says, love one another. By this, the world will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Well, verse 36 to 38, Peter's heard this and jumped into action, hasn't he? And the thing I learned from Peter, when he was next to Jesus, he was always 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Yet we see soon after, without Jesus, he turned into a bit of a coward. And so Jesus, I know in his heart, was all about Jesus, I'm coming with you. Where you are, Jesus... I'm with you, no matter what. Even if that means death, I'd rather be with you than without you. And I believe Peter was very genuine about this. In his ignorance of what was going on, he thought if Jesus is going somewhere, he wanted to be there, even if that meant he would die. And unfortunately, Jesus then had to give Peter the reality check. He had to give him the truth, even though it was hard to hear. Peter, although you think you're bulletproof sitting next to me right now, in a few hours you're going to be denying me, denying that you even knew me. Can you even imagine getting that news? In your own heart, in your own strength, you think, I'm ready to die for Jesus and hearing that. Peter was about to go on a real steep learning curve about doing things in his own strength. And as humans, we are weak. We fatigue. We need the Holy Spirit to equip us for battle on this earth, that Holy Spirit that uh, Julie was just praying about. We can't serve Jesus in our own strength because we will fail. And maybe sitting here this morning, you can relate to Peter because we can all be like Peter, can't we? We can all do things in our own strength. We need to lay our concerns, our pride at the feet of Jesus and let him empower us through his spirit. So my question will be 
Will you serve Jesus in the power of his spirit and not in your own strength? Peter would grow from failure to being patiently restored by Jesus, to leading the early church and boldly proclaiming the name of his saviour through the power of that spirit, the Holy Spirit. In this section, it brings us to a bit of a, a principle that... The Christians should be different to the world and characteristics by their love for one another. And we should serve our God in the power of the Holy Spirit. Christians should be different to the world and characterised by their love for one another and serve God in the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, let's not get caught up in time. Let's keep going along and we see in the second division that Jesus starts comforting his disciples and promises to return. And he turns to his disciples and starts to comfort them. Don't let your hearts be troubled, he would say. Can you picture this? Jesus, you just said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You just told us that you are leaving us. You are the Messiah, the Saviour of Israel and our hope and you're leaving us. Easy for you to say, Jesus, you're not the one staying behind. And I never want to compare the situation with what Jesus um, was doing with his disciples to the one that we have today. But there are similarities. As some would be sitting here today thinking exactly that about Garth. Keep going, Garth will say. You're doing a great job. That's easy for you to say, Garth. You're the one leaving. Look at us. We're left behind. Jesus gives his disciples a glimpse of the future and of his purpose. I'm going. I have to go to prepare a place for you. The purpose of me leaving, Jesus would say, is to prepare a place for you and I will return again. Later on in the chapter, Jesus uh, shares with them that he's not leaving them alone, that he is giving the Holy, the Holy Spirit will come. And while Jesus was here on earth in bodily form, while fully God, he was fully man. He needed to leave so that the Holy Spirit could come and indwell all believers globally. And verse 4, Jesus would say to them, you know the way to where I'm going. And instead of Peter, it's now Thomas's turn. And he's like, Jesus, we don't know the way. And the response, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Jesus is the only way to the Father. Without Jesus, you can't get to God. No matter how good you think you are or have been, Jesus isn't one of many ways to God. He's the only way to God. And again, if you're sitting here thinking, I'm one of those guys that have picked and chosen different religions that, that suit me best, you need to see Jesus for who he is. And he's the only way to God. If you want God, you need to get to God through Jesus. 
Jesus would go on in the verses following that he and the Father are one. During this hard time, Jesus promised that they would be together again. In verse 3, Jesus is preparing a place for his followers and will come back. His followers um, who die before his return have eternal life and life secure because of his death and resurrection that did conquer sin and death. And I suppose a question that we need to ask today is, is, will you see that Jesus is the only way to God? Will you live your life with the hope that others don't have, that Jesus is coming back to take us to be with him? And if you die before this time, that your eternity is secure with Christ. Will you be willing to live with that certainty and sharing it with others that need it? Will we love others? by sharing this truth of who Jesus is. He is the way, the truth and the life, the only way to God the Father. This is such an an amazing insight into Jesus' final instructions and care as he was about to go to the cross. And the disciples were about to see some of the biggest lows and highs in human history and be part of God using them mightily to establish the church. And this section takes us to another principle also, that Jesus has promised to return for his followers to be forever with him. So the disciples were were faced with their what do we do now question, as their leader would say, I am leaving now. As I said As a church, we're in a different situation. Garth can't even promise that he'll be coming back. And I don't want to compare Garth to Jesus and he wouldn't want me doing that. So please don't take that the wrong way. But as a church, very similar way, getting the news. What do we do now? But I want to compare to the disciples. What did the disciples do? Well, stay tuned. Because we're going to hear about more about the disciples and the early church in the coming weeks as Keith comes to, to preach um, a, a series on that. But what did the disciples do? They went on with all their flaws and all their challenges, filled by the Holy Spirit to be used mightily by God. So how do we respond to this? What do we do individually and as a church? A bit jumpy and twisty, so sorry about that. But let's come back to today. Garth and Michelle have have served this church and our community for a bit over a year. And they're going to serve another community and help their family. Let's look back to what Garth has been preaching about in the last few weeks. Building genuine and strong and deep relationships amongst believers that are full of grace and encouragement. Preached about discipleship, preaching about managing disputable manners and understanding people have different convictions, but standing strong on the teachings of Jesus. Garth preached on the importance of having encouragers and mentors in our lives to focus on relationships, to focus our relationships on Christ. And not to be disciples of Garth, but to be true followers of Christ in our relationships in the church.
I'm going to invite Garth and Michelle to come up now and we're sort of going to pause. This is the part that Garth says, don't make it about me, but Garth and Michelle, we can't make it about... Well, we sort of have to make it about you in some way. So can you come up for us, please? And I just want to um, pause here. We're going to get Garth and Michelle up uh, and, and have a few things for them, but... Um, I think it's important to, to reflect on, on what um, they've done as part of our church. Since I've got back from Switzerland, I've, I've preached twice or been up here twice and I've cried both times. Today's the third. I'm trying not to cry the third time. I've said to Andy, but he reckons, I think he's got my money on me that I will cry. Um, so before I, I finish, Garth, have you got any final words that you would like to share this morning with our church. Um, all I wanted to say is uh, thank you and I hope you realise how special you guys are. It seemed like only yesterday um, Dennis was inducting me into this church and a question was put to me about what's one of the things I'm going to miss about Queensland and I said the relationships I form in Queensland were strong but I said... I'm going to get to have them here and I have experienced, both Michelle and I have experienced that. We believe the church is in a much, I say better or different, whichever way you want to look at it, than when we walked in. I know my strength is connecting with people and I'm very much a relational pastor, I'm not a theological pastor, I don't want to sit down and talk about doctrines and everything like that, I just want to have people who know Jesus to disconnect with each other. I always get amazed and that's why that song is there. I know not why God's wondrous grace. He reached down to the bottom of the pit when he saved me and I, every day I think, why? I see so many people so much more deserving of God's grace than me, yet God has taken me, blessed me with a beautiful wife that stands by my side and we go places for him. I don't get it. I still don't understand it. But that's the God we worship and that's the God. And I said, there's nothing really special about us because he's in you. And, um, yeah, there's part of us that feel we've let the church down. There's part of us that feel gutted that we are going so quickly. Um, but you're not in good hands. You're in great hands because we don't serve a good God. We serve a great God. And it's funny, um, often you're told, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I know through colleges and courses, we're taught that there is something that you should never say when either someone leaves your church or when you leave the church. There is something that you should never say to a certain person. Well, I'm breaking the rules today because I want to say it. Not to embarrass him. But Nathan, I am really going to miss your piano playing. <laughs> so what do Garth and Michelle do now? Well, Garth assures me that, assures me that he's uh, watching the Hawks versus the, the Crows this afternoon while he should be packing to move for tomorrow. So there could be some discussions happening, but... Um, what does Garth and Michelle do now? 
it's been a privilege in it, uh, to have met and journeyed with you the last couple of months. And I pray that you'll be able to be there for your family and point them to Jesus with pastoring your next church. I'm sure you'll be a blessing to them and encourage them to mature in their faith and encourage them with the words of Jesus, that they love one another just as Jesus has loved them. I wasn't here, but when Garth first came, he would talk about the day he would finish and his desire to finish well. I've been working with Garth for the last two months and I believe he's, he's done that. Garth, it's been a pleasure to work with you, to journey with you, and hear the tears come. You've, you've been a humble leader, and you've had the real desire for the best for this church. You've had the, the real desire for the best for any new member or newcomer, as well as the older ones. And you've challenged us to live for Christ better. We do wish you God's richest blessings to you and your family as you start in Adelaide. I'm going to have to have some special medication to stop this um, <laughs> disease that I have. <laughs> it's love, yeah, too much love. Okay, so what do we do now? Do we give up? Do we sit at home? Do we stop everything? Close the church down? Let's fast forward for the disciples. When Jesus, after Jesus left, did they have it easy? No, they were bold. They sorted through the challenges of the early church. They were persecuted, they evangelised, they stood boldly before the rulers around them. We read in Acts, uh, as we read in Acts, but ultimately we saw, a, we saw in Acts how some of them were killed, uh, disciples of Jesus were killed, and we ultimately know some of his disciples were martyred for their faith. We look at Peter who we read about today, going from denying Christ and scared of a girl to boldly standing before many people. We look at John, who wrote this account, of knowing Jesus' love and was shown heaven in exile. We see Philip evangelising to people and we see Thomas from going, to, from going, I can't believe until I see, to falling down, saying, my Lord and my God. The what do I do now moment for the disciples was a very real thing. And they were used mightily by God through the coming of the Holy Spirit to start the church. So let's bring that to Pakenham today. We group together. We soldier on. We love one another. We look to God. We be the light in our community that we live in. We encourage our brothers and sisters and we grow the body of believers. Will we use our gifts to build up our church? Will we pray for one another? Will we, will we be praying for the elders 
and the search community as we embark on finding the next pastor? Will we turn to God in these times of trouble or change or transition of what do we do now? Or do we turn to ourselves? Or do we turn on each other? And my prayer is that we turn to God. Will everyone here and watching online, will we be part of building a better culture, connecting with the older people as a mentor, looking at mentoring a younger person, praying about which ministries you can help to use your gifts that God has given you? Will you be the person to say hello to the new person that walks through the door? Will you even be the person that invites a single, a couple or a family over for a meal? Will you step out of your comfort zone and invite a friend to church? Will you live knowing that Jesus is preparing a place for you and coming back? And we've got a great message to share with our neighbours. So let's finish today with the last encouragement. Let's have John chapter 13, 34 to 35, be a verse for our church as we go through this transition and as Garth leaves this building for the last time today. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another.